Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Ready for spring? I had my first swim yesterday. I was not ready for it. Caleb decided, he said, look, it would be lovely to have a swim. He said, come, Dad, let's have a swim. How many of you sometimes as dads, you don't want to be the guy that holds your son back from doing something because of your own fear? <laughs> so I dived, I dived in, I took my breath away, and the pool was still green. There were still frogs in it. I said to him, don't mind the frogs, boy. Just let's have a swim. <laughs> so spring is in the air. The kind of the pool's not ready yet, but it was it was so lacquer. Just it is even driving uh, this morning. It was it's so beautiful. It is so warm. Welcome to you if you're joining us online today. It's so good to have you with us. Hey church, would you join me and let's stand together just for a moment? You know uh, the the nation of Israel, they would they would go up towards the mount, uh, well, the, uh, towards the temple on the mount in Jerusalem. Quite an important principle, this. They would head up and they would actually walk uh, towards the, the, the temple. And as they did so, they would look up at the temple. And that lifted their eyes. It took their eyes and it, and it lifted their eyes. And there's something quite powerful about a physical, a physical lifting of our eyes. Because what that did then was it lifted their hearts and it lifted their spirits. So, you know, we can do the same. We can lift our eyes to heaven. Even online, you can join us in this moment. Lift your eyes to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. And as you do so, your heart will be lifted. Ready to, for God to do something in you today. Yes. And uh, I feel like you'd do it in us, whether it's hot or cold in this auditorium, but it feels like it's getting quite cold. Yeah, I'm getting nodding heads. So... <laughs> I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a draft coming along my legs, so we asked to cool it down a little bit, but we also don't want to take us back to winter. So if the team could try and fix that up, it'll be help me not to preach to you. Doing, uh, uh. <laughs> All right, you ready to pray? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for these moments together. Thank you that you promised in the gathering to be with us in very real and special ways. And so we ask for that now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody. Have a seat. I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot of these new, new markets popping up all over Joburg. You know these organic markets where they're selling uh, organic produce, like in the kind of this, this really organic, it's the real deal, it's home cooked, it's slow cooked, it's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, I've noticed a lot about that at, at the moment, lots of this happening. And I think it's for a reason. I think what's happening is you and I, uh, even uh, sometimes subconsciously, we don't know it, but each one of us, we have a longing for real things, don't we? You know what I mean? Real things, not fake things. I mean, think about it, flowers. How many of you love real flowers as opposed to fake flowers? Sometimes when I look at it, I see a, a bunch of flowers in a room, sometimes I'll go up to them and I'll sometimes just smell them to see if they're real. And the smell is always the giveaway, isn't it? What about real grass? You can feel if you walk on that grass where it looks so lacquer and some guy's built a big mansion and he's got evergreen grass outside of it. But the moment you walk on it, you know it's plastic. Right? Think about leather. You know when you were sitting on a leather chair 
or a pleather chair. Are you with me? We just know real, don't we? We have a longing for real things. I think it's true when it comes to our interaction within our experience of God. Each one of us, we have consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, you and I, we have a, a very deep question inside of us that is always asking to be answered. The question is simply this, is can God be real to me? I mean, that's why you're here today, isn't it? That's why you've joined us online. That's why you're in the overflow. You, you, you are asking, can God be real? That's why you came, because you're hoping for some sense of the reality of God. That's why we come to church. That, like, that's, it's to be together and ask the question, is God really real in my life? And to hopefully have that answered in some way. Can God be real in my life? We have a deep, deep, deep desire for that. That's why this series called Thin Places is so powerful. So powerful because we've been asking and answering the question, where is God real? We know he's real in our, in our, um, in our interactions with our loved ones. We, uh, we see them in the faces of our loved ones. Yesterday, Caleb and I had a swim, and then we kind of settled down in the sun. Before you know it, we both fell asleep, and he came and he lay on my chest, and I just had my arms around him, and he lay on my chest, and, I, and then we fell asleep for an hour or so, and it was so lekker. It was like that was a thin place where God meets us in a real way, isn't it? He's also real in nature, in the beauty of nature. Last week we learned he's real in the desert places, in the dry places, in those seasons of our lives where it feels dry. Guess what? He's real in those places too. Today I want to introduce us to a, a different third, a real thin place, a place that we are going to explore today for a little bit. It's a thin place called the gathering place, the gathered place. Let's go to a text together. Acts chapter two, it'll be on the screen for you. It'll be in a real old-fashioned hard copy Bible for me. Acts chapter two. We'll read a few verses together. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So please notice, the first thing that you notice there is there's a gathering. People are meeting together, and then stuff begins to go down. <laughs> then what looked like, I'm going to tell you what went down. Then what looked like tongues, sorry, like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, etc. Let's skip down then. To verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. 
Then Peter stepped forward. Peter's never the guy to keep quiet. Peter's always the guy to have a word. Listen carefully, he says, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you assume. Nine o'clock in the morning's way too early for that. No, what you, predict, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Today, welcome to the thin place where the Holy Spirit meets us. It's called the gathered place, where we gathered. God is especially real. He is particularly real. Coming back to the question on our hearts and minds, can God be real to us? He is particularly real when we gather. And Acts shows us, tells us the story of how as soon as these believers gathered together, there was this incredible, um, completely different presence of God that showed up in their gathering. It was unlike any other presence they'd ever been in. Church, can I say this to us? When you and I arrive for church, in fact, when you and I get ready to come together, <clears throat> there needs to be, there should be. Can I invite you to consider the level of expectation in your life as you come together? Because you haven't just come out of a sense of tradition. We're long past that. You haven't come out of some sense of duty. We have come because we're all asking the question, can God be real to me this Sunday in my life where I'm at? In my marriage, in my finance, in my life, in my relationships, in my health, in every, can he, is he real to me? And what I want to, what I'm aiming to do today is to form our theology so that you and I never, ever, ever think about the gathering together that you and I are a part of in this building and in the overflow uh, that we're a part of, that we never think of it in the same way again. That we always come to this place with an expectation that when you and I gather together, something mysterious happens. Right? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 18, Jesus himself, he says this, whenever you come together, right, I will be with you. There I am. Right? Here's, here's, the, here's the central thought for today. When followers of Jesus gather in his name, it becomes a thin place. That's why we should gather together as often as we can because every time we do, there's something crazy different that goes on. You might not be feeling it today. You might not even know what it is that's happening. And today I wanna to try and excavate for us, try and uncover for us three things that happen when you and I gather together that you and I should be aware of. Sometimes, how many of you have ever been in an environment where you're actually not aware of all that's happening, but the moment you are, it's like, oh, my word, now I wrote. So some, I was once in a, in a hotel lobby, 
and I was with somebody, and they said, I want you to notice a couple of things about this hotel lobby. Firstly, do you notice the smell? They'd been piping perfumes through the air vents. So it smelled like a Parisian perfume factory. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that smell pretty liquor. The music, and then the temperature. So there's all these environmental things that are happening for you and I. When, when we gather together, God is at work and he's busy doing some incredible things and you and I are invited into and things happen when you and I gather. Today we're gonna look at three of them. Why is this gathering? Why, why is it so profound? Well, it's profound because there was a dividing line in history, just like I'm in the center of the stage right now and as I move back, maybe this, you could picture a line being formed right here. The, this line is the dividing line and there's a before this happens and an after this happens. That text that we read in Acts chapter two, there was a before Acts two and there was an after Acts two. The before Acts two, here's the thing, Jesus was, could only ever be present in his own body. After Acts 2, Jesus is now present in every body. The reason for that is Christ changed form the moment he ascended to heaven. He said, wait in Jerusalem, wait for my spirit, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you my spirit, and he is going to come on you with great power, which is what we've just read in Acts 2. And so before Acts 2, people who follow, like lovers of God, could only really experience the presence of Christ in his body. But after that time, the presence of Christ is experienced and is present in every single one of us, in every body. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like Jesus today. I mean, not your hair. <laughs> look like a weird bunch of Jesuses. I mean, when I came to church today expecting to meet Jesus, I didn't expect to see you, Muchus. <laughs> Christ changed. He changed form. Maybe you could think of it this way with me today. Christ is the chef, he's the head baker, and he is, he is preparing something wonderful. It's called his church. The Holy Spirit is the baking powder. How many of you know that a cake is not a cake until it's got baking powder in it? Why, because it all flop. The thing that makes it a cake is the baking powder. The thing that makes the church the church is the Spirit of God. And after Acts 2, in this passage where we read, why this gathering really mattered is it was the first time, and it was the promise of the fact that whenever Christ's church gathers, His Spirit gathers in every single one of us. That's why every single one of us, we have His Spirit residing within us. And Christ is present, here's the thing, not simply as He was in His body, but in everybody, and therefore Christ is more present to us through the gathering, and so the person next to you, whether you like it or not, listen, whether you had a fight with your husband or wife before you came here today, or whether you're in love, or whether the person sitting next to you right now is a complete stranger, Christ resides in them. Quite a crazy thought, isn't it? And while Jesus is baking the cake, it's the baking powder that works its way. It's the agent that finds its way into every aspect of the cake. 
And so every single one of us filled with the Spirit of God, the moment you decided to make a decision to follow Jesus, and if you have never made that decision yet, today is an opportunity for you to do so. The moment we open our hearts to to Him, He inhabits us with His presence. And that's the thing. The presence and the power and the action of Christ reside in you and in me. That's why when we get together, man alive, it's very different to anything else. Because we've got a little bunch of little mini Jesuses all over, and everything within me wants to go to an Austin Powers moment right now, but I'm just gonna stay away from that. You all still with me? All okay? All tracking? I'll never forget my first time experiencing a gathering like this, where the presence of God was so alive, where, where it was so powerful, where, where it felt like, it felt like everybody in the building was contributing to this, this overall sense of the presence of God. It was 1997, I'd just broken up with a girlfriend, I was on uh, my bottom lip, I, th- I wondered, to my, you know, I used to say things to myself like, I wonder if I'll ever marry, and all this kind of nonsense. I was like 20 years of age, it was ridiculous. And my brother invited me to church one night, and it was at AOG Church, uh, just in Faramir and Benoni, not far from here. I walked into the service that night. The place was full. It was full of people that, 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 that it just felt like God was in them. And would you believe it, but Pastor Donovan could see was preaching that night. And somebody else was doing the, it's like they were doing a bit of a tour with a, with a music band and, and he was preaching and it was like the presence of God just came alive in that moment. When we gather, it's a thin place. You didn't come to church today, you are the church. Every partner is a priest. Every member is a minister. Why? Because each one of us have the presence of God residing within us. Are you with me? Now this gathering, it's given a name by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he, if you've never heard about him, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Just an amazing man, incredible man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the greatest missionary the world has ever known. He wrote to the church that he planted and founded in an ancient town in a place of Asia Minor, like modern-day Turkey, called Ephesus. Ephesus was a church. Paul wrote back to this church, and he wrote to them a whole bunch of things. But in this letter, why I'm raising this letter particularly is because Paul really unpacks very powerfully what this gathering, what this church thing actually means it wasn't a sound system some lights singing together pizza on a deck wonder if the aircon's too hot or cold and then go home are you with me it was something much more profound he gives this gathering a name it's called ecclesia it's a greek word ecclesia it means called out ones called out ones and the called out ones are are there to be called out from the culture and to call together you've been called out from the world so that you can gather together so you can go back into the world and change it 
Now, when Paul writes, and he mentions this word ecclesia nine times in Ephesians, but when you scan and when you read about where he uses this, these nine times, there are three particular things that he invites us into. I almost want to say they are rooms that he invites us into. You know, a few years ago, in fact, I said at the eight o'clock a few years ago, and then I realized actually it wasn't a few years ago. How many of you know, as you, as you get older and as time marches on, you think to yourself, it, it felt like a few years ago, but it's actually not. It's actually a lot of years ago. And some of you in the building should not look at me with judgmental eyes because you too are getting older. <laughs> Number of years ago, I, went, I had the great privilege of going into the Louvre Museum in Paris. As a, there was a little kippy South African dressed in a pair of tackies and long shorts coming into the Louvre Museum. And all I wanted to do, I was part of a tour group, all we wanted to do was we were like, can I see the Mona Lisa? Where's the Mona Lisa? <laughs> Asking these fancy custodians of the, of the museum, you know, the, the, they're all like looking very French and very fancy, and we're like, ah, sir, where's the Mona Lisa? <laughs> Directs us. And as we did so, we had to go through several, several of these large, big rooms. And of course, every room is filled with just priceless treasure, priceless art. Eventually you get to the Mona Lisa and it's a little A4 of this little poppy half smiling at you. It's like, <laughs> this didn't feel like I built it up in my mind, you know? It's like when you go on a first date and you've checked this guy, but he's be, he, the last time you saw him was on Tinder and he had airbrushed. And then when you get to dinner, it's like, is this really you? <laughs> Your online profile oversells and you underdeliver, guy. <laughs> Anyway, so there I am in the Louvre, and, and, and we're walking through these rooms, and, and it was like almost every, every room had a new treasure. That's the thing. This room was the Renaissance painters. This room was the Impressionists, and so on. You with me? Paul writes, and he says, listen, this gathering, this ecclesia, this, this thing where the Spirit of Christ resides in every single one of you, together you come together and you form the church. There are three things, there are three rooms that you are invited into three things that happen. The first room is called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. We are taught the kingdom of God when we gather. Now, you might think you're being taught the kingdom of God right now, and you are, but you're also taught the kingdom of God when we worship together. You're taught the kingdom of God when you have a conversation with each other. You and I, we are taught the kingdom of God when we uh, connect with each other, understand each other's worlds, begin to understand what's going on in our lives. That's the kingdom of God. But the, more than that, you and I model the kingdom of God to each other. What an amazing thought to think of the, the fact that each one of us in the building, in the overflow, online, each one of us, we model the kingdom of God to each other. Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse and you don't feel like your spouse is modeling the kingdom of God very well at the moment, just look straight ahead and don't look even online. Just don't, don't move on the couch. Do not move further away because it's going to give it away that you don't think they're the kingdom, but just <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says, You are Gentiles. He says, You're no longer strangers, 
and foreigners, but you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. He uses the word citizen and it's exceedingly important because what he is talking about is about the fact that you are now part of another kingdom. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is simply whenever God's will is done. How do we see the kingdom of God? We see it in Jesus. If you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, simply look at Jesus. Everything that he lived, everything that he taught, everything that he modeled, every emotion that he felt, every way he responded is the kingdom of God. I'll tell you what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is whenever you and I put into practice the teachings of Christ. When we decide not to retaliate, when we are um, humble in, in spirit, when we decide to pursue humility, when we decide to be the, f- the uh, when we understand the first is the last and the last are the first, when we decide to forgive even when it's hard, when we treat the and we're generous with the poor, when we let our yes be yes and our no be no, when we decide not to be motivated by malice or envy or greed, all of that is the kingdom of God. And when you gather, and when I gather, we get it modeled imperfectly. That's why Paul says, now we see in part, but one day we'll see fully. You and I, we get a little glimpse of the kingdom of God. It's almost like, uh, you know, you know when you go to those ice cream shops, like Paul's ice cream. Have you, has anybody ever been to Paul's ice cream? You need to take a trip out to Bedford Center, Paul's ice cream. You know, or any, any gelato, any Italian ice cream. You know when you look at all the flavors, and then you, you wonder to yourself, which one should I have? And then you decide, no, you're, you're going to taste. And you'll always know when it's a good ice cream shop because the good ice cream shop says, sure, so have as many tastes as you want because I'm sure you're going to want five scoops of this at least. And the muhu ice cream shops go, no, you can't taste this COVID. <laughs> and I'll say, I don't care about your COVID. I want to decide whether I'm having that flavor. But you have the little taste and then you think, mmm. Like, shout out to me quickly. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Quickly, shout it out. Vanilla, chocolate, fudge, uh, tin roof, Ferrero. Come shout. Salted caramel. Passion fruit. Picture your favorite flavor. And you just, and, and now they tell you, you can only have a half a spoon. That's all you can have. This is what Paul was saying to us here. You see the kingdom of God now a little bit. It's just a taste, everybody. One day the scoop is coming proper. You with me? Dallas Willard said, the only thing that transforms us is spiritually is the act of following Christ. I've got news for you. You can read scripture till the cows come home. You can pray till your knees are sore. You can be in a life group your entire life. You can worship with a voice like an angel. Nothing will change in your life until you and I decide to actually do what Jesus did. Listen, you can sit in church for 50 years. You can fast every day of the week. You can give all your money to the poor. But if it's not rooted in the act of following Christ, if we're not learning to be with him, become like him and do what he did, will never transform spiritually. On the other hand, when we do give to the poor and it's rooted in a, in, a, in a decision to follow Jesus like that, when you and I decide not to retaliate, when you and I decide to forgive, when you and I decide to let our speech be clear and our integrity to be 100%, when we say yes is yes, when you and I decide, because Jesus said give to Caesar what is due to Caesar, when you and I decide to give the tax man what's due to him, Ish. 
How many of you know that can be hard? Are you with me? First room we're invited into is the kingdom of God, and we are taught the kingdom of God when we gather. All still okay? Thinking about ice cream now? Secondly, the family of God, the family of God, and we are helped by the family of God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2. It'll be on the screen. He says this, we are, you are members of God's family. You've actually entered a new family, and our new family begins to shape us and nourish us and mold us and change us. I was chatting to, uh, have been in a journey with a, 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 a man in our congregation. He had COVID and he had it very, very seriously. Every day for like three weeks while he was in ICU, every single day, voice note back, voice note forward, voice note back. Every day listening to hear how's his voice doing? What's his voice? How does it look? How is he looking? What, send me a picture. I want to see your color. Are you just journey, journey, journey? He said to me on Friday at our leadership academy, he said, Pastor Byron, I don't know how anybody survives if they're not in a local church. You with me? I almost think the family of God, it's almost like we are to each other what bees and flowers are to each other. Even wondered about bees and flowers. They have what's called a symbiotic relationship, a mutually beneficial relationship. Here's how it works. The bee pulls in on the flower, grabs the nectar, which he needs for his honey. But in so doing, he also gets the pollen in the flower stuck to his, his underbelly and his, and his legs. And when he moves from flower to flower, he transports that pollen, puts it on the other flower, pollinates that flower. The flowers all get pollinated. The bee gets his nectar for his honey, and the world is better off. And so is the bee, and so is the flower. Everybody wins. Can I invite you to think about the gathered place, the thin place, your life group? this place as being bees and flowers. We need each other. There was a study being, uh, that was just recently published by the University of California. Listen to this. I want to read you the stats. It says, those who are not in community, those who are not in a small group, those who are not in a friendship circle are followers of Jesus, right? Listen to the stats. They said, three times as, as likely as anybody else to die of an early death four times as likely to suffer. You are four times as likely to suffer with emotional burnout. Five times more likely to be clinically depressed. Ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. People say, you know, I'm not sure if my life can allow me to be in a small group community like a, what we call life groups that thrive. I want to suggest to you humbly and, and, uh, and pastorally, I'm not sure you can afford not to be. Are you with me? All okay? Third room in the museum of treasure that we're invited into. When you and I gather, when we're in a thin place, when you and I are gathered together and the Holy Spirit is present in you and you and you and you and you and all of us, all of us, all of us, when He's present in all of us, even if you're wearing a Man United shirt, He can be present in you. For those of you who threaten to be offended in this moment, remember offense is always taken, it's never given. That's why it says take offense. All the Man United fans are excited that Cristiano is back. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just see. 37. Look, I haven't got to 37 yet, but when I do. You guys are making, you guys are all taking up my time. The third. 
The third room is the, or the third thing that we're invited into. So kingdom of God, we're taught it. Family of God, we're helped by it. Dwelling place of God is the third room. We are God's Google Hangout. Did you know that? How, how wonderful and yet how utterly scary to think that God resides in us. I don't know whether I want the earth to swallow me up out of holy fear or whether I want to do cartwheels of joy. Some days it's a bit of both. That I, that, that I am God's Google Hangout. Crazy. Could what Ephesians chapter two says, we carefully join together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. The more we grow in life, each one of us, the more God's dwelling place is, is built up. Here's the thought for us today. God's presence is multiplied and magnified whenever we gather. Right? Why is gathering a thin place, church? It's a thin place because whenever you and I gather, His presence is multiplied and magnified through each other. That's why, please, God, let the restrictions continue to gradually lift because the more people together, the more God's presence dwells richly. Are you with me today? Should we recap? I always liked it in class when the teacher would recap because then I'd kind of like just like rewind a little bit, just check if I got the, the highlights. Are you with me today? All okay? Alive? Kicking? Here we go. Can, question on our minds, question on our hearts is this. Can we truly experience God's presence? In other words, maybe this is the, can God be real to me? The good news is he can and he is. He is through many different ways. The Holy Spirit is close to us in many thin places. What are those thin places? It's our loved ones, isn't it? Not only is it our loved ones, it's nature, it's beautiful places. Not only is, are those thin places, what else are thin places? Thin places are quiet places. Quiet pla thin places are desert places, right? But there's a third thin place called the gathered place where the Holy Spirit is real and present to us in very real and special ways. Why is that so? Because Christ changed form. Acts 2 was a dividing line where the Spirit of God can now reside in you and me. Jesus was previously present only in his body and through his body. Now he is present. The presence and the action of Christ is present in everybody who has the Spirit of God in him or her. That's why we become a thin place when we gather together. Jesus said, wherever you are gathered, I am there. Therefore, the presence and the action of Christ comes together when you and I are together. That's why I don't know what you, whatever else you may think about doing on a Sunday morning. I'm not sure there can be anything more important than, than the presence of God in that place for us. You with me? It's a thin place. 
Jesus is the chef. He's the head. He's forming his church. The Holy Spirit is the baking powder working in and amongst us. It's never a cake until it's got baking powder in it. The baking powder is the agent. The Holy Spirit is the agent that works in every single one of our lives, making us into this beautiful thing that Jesus calls the church. That's why it's a thin place. And you and I are invited into three rooms that Paul teaches us. He says, number one, when you gather this thin place, the kingdom of God is taught. Number two, the family of God comes together and helps you. Number three, you yourself, me, we become the actual physical dwelling place of God. I often wonder how that changes my outlook on Krispy Kremes. Do you wonder about that? It's like I'm just going to settle with three. I'm not going to go 12. <laughs> hey, church, come, would you stand with me together? Here's the question for us today. The team are going to join us. So come on up, guys. Hey, would you, would you do me just take a moment? Let's close our eyes together. Can I invite you with me today just to, to, to one very special response? One very special response. And that is simply this. Could I have more of you, God? Could I have more of you? Could I have more of you, God? And if that's you today, can I invite you where you are just to lift your hands to heaven? No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how, what you've found in life or how life has been to you, but today there's an invitation. Those of us who Christ follow us, just more Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill us and would you give us more? Would you give us more? Would you give us more? Would you give us more of you? And maybe today you've never made a decision to invite Christ into your life. Well, Acts 2 changed all of that. You know, there was this moment where we could become, where we could become the dwelling place of God. How would you like your life to become the dwelling place of God? How amazing that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within you. Well, today I would love to invite you into that. I want to love the great privilege of praying for you. If you've never made that decision to say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life. Hey, online, you're watching us. And if you've never made that decision to say, I would love my life to be the place where the presence and the power of Christ resides. Hey, right where you are, would you lift your hand to heaven? Shoot, shoot up your hand quickly and just say, yes, that's me. I'll see you. Yes, yes, yes. Shoot your hand up nice and high so I can see you. Online, in this moment, you could just WhatsApp the words, follow Jesus to say yes to him. Come, so many. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many, so many. Shoot your hand up. Just I want to see who you are if that's you. You've never invited him in. Never invited him in. You're going to be baptized soon. <laughs> God's going to do an amazing work. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Church, are you ready to worship together? Kulu will come and wrap up for us, but come, let's worship together. Hey, shall we worship? Let's lift our voices to me. He's good to us. If He's been good to you, would you lift your voice to heaven? Come on, let's sing. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.